MMD or mirror movement development is the missing pillar of longevity alongside nutrition and exercise. Today's episode number 284 will be speaking with Jim Houliston, a Philadelphia-based dual dominant artist, athlete, educator, and author of the world's first bi-scriptal book, Big 3 MMD, Histories Ambidextrous and the Benefits of Mirror Movement Development. Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we cover the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning for schools and emotional intelligence training in the workplace with tools, ideas, and strategies we can all use for immediate results. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator with a passion for learning, specifically on the topics of health, well-being, and productivity. When our guest today, Jim Houliston, first reached out to me, he let me know about the neurological longevity body realignment, spatial awareness, balance, and peak performance benefits that come from practicing mirror movement development, or MMD. And I stopped and wondered, what is MMD? And I was intrigued to learn more. I don't know anything about this topic, but after years of working out, mostly hiking and trail running, I've got certain aches and pains that never go away. I also want to keep the high level of balance that I have now for the next 20 years so I can keep doing the activities that I love as I'm getting older. So I wonder, how does what Jim has discovered improve body realignment, spatial awareness, balance, and peak performance? How could I implement this idea? How soon would I notice a benefit? And how exactly did he discover this idea? Let's meet Jim Houliston and learn about MMD and how this idea that he's discovered could possibly take our productivity to new heights. Welcome, Jim. I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And this is a first for me because I know absolutely nothing about what you're going to share with us today. So I hope that as we go through the questions, you can help me tie in what we're working on right now, going back to the basics or the foundational skills to accelerate our results with what you're talking about. Does that sound good? Sounds great. And you'd be surprised, Andrea, because most people do know something about MMD completely um, unknowingly. Like you're a big hiker, hiking's MMD. And I'll I'll get into how that is, why that is, and how to best perform MMD while engaging in it. Interesting. Okay. So I'm just going to get right into it for our listeners right now. You know, many people like me could be hearing about MMD or mirror movement development for the first time. So what is it? Mm. So the layman science of, even before the layman science of the layman's explanation, if I was to record you doing whatever you do throughout your day, I then take that video and then I would horizontally mirror flip it The goal of MMD is to work to learn how to do what you see in that mirror flipped video. In that video, you'll see yourself reading in mirror direction, writing in mirror direction with your other hand, throwing with your other arm, kicking with your other foot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You'd see yourself in the kitchen with a mirrored can opener, 
open it and mirror it. So it's it's all of it's all of that. Okay. And so what's the science behind this and how did you discover it to be writing books and talking about it? Myself, like the large spectrum of inadvertent practitioners, it's often inadvertent uh, to begin with. Um, many of us, we begin it for f- uh, physical rehabilitation purposes. Um, like myself, Thomas Jefferson, he was one of those people. It's believed that Leonardo da Vinci was one as well. In one of his uh, personal notebook pages, da Vinci talks about uh, thanking God for having escaped from the murderers with just one dislocated hand. Same thing happened with Thomas Jefferson when he was over in France. For me, it was skateboarding. Um, but the layman science of it, whenever you do something with, in this case right now, I'm twing, you know, uh, twinkling my fingers here on my left hand, my right brain hemisphere is what is engaged in doing that. There's blood flow going to that brain hemisphere and vice versa. And that blood flow is oxygen. That oxygen creates new neurons and new synapses. It thickens your corpus callosum, um, affects the region of the hippocampi, which is largely associated with memory. Um, and then the averses uh, is, is the same as well, where when I move my right hand like this, my left brain hemisphere is doing that. So by engaging and practicing an MMD, which is, I refer to MMD as, alongside nutrition and exercise, it is the third pillar of longevity. Some of the most incredible athletes on planet earth who have also played the longest were also the most ambidextrous. And um, ambidexterity is the traditional understanding of this, but the word ambidexterity, which I use throughout my book, um, history is ambidextrous and the benefits of mere movement development, big three MMD. I still use it because that's what's culturally best understood, but the word ambidexterity literally is like calling Native Americans Indians after you learn that they're not actually from India. Ambidextrous literally means right-handed on both sides. Okay. The human body is not mechanically designed with two right hands. You're designed with a, mirror, a mirrored portion of left and right hands. Um, and Benjamin Franklin wrote creatively 11 years before he died about how um, we should be teaching Kids, how to develop this? Houdini thought the same, so did Hippocrates. So again, there's there's a lot I can say on all of this. I imagine that I've answered your initial question, and I know we've got more. So yeah, yeah. So so let's even before we go into it a little bit more, think about why people don't practice this, why mm. it feels so weird. And I was just mm. sharing with you, I worked in the motivational speaking industry for a time period with a speaker named Bob Proctor. And mm. he would open every session by saying, all right, everyone put your pen in your left hand and write your name. And remarkable. It was That's so great. hard. I was sitting there going, all my notebooks have my maiden name written all squishy. Which is weird to think, because Andrea, I'm guessing you have an average design human body where, you know, your hands can superimpose like this in a complete mirror, right down the middle, bilaterally speaking, your exterior features, they're more or less symmetrically placed, just like your skeleton, and your whole organic system is symmetrically weighted, even though your organs are asymmetrically go all over the place. That's one of the biggest indications that humans were mechanically designed for mirrored movement. Um, equally left and right. Um, and you see it in all other basic bilateral species under the stun, under the sun, where it's a 50-50 split in dominance. Humans were the only ones who were 90-10. I have my thoughts and theories on that that I think make the most sense that I'm happy to share. But, um, you know, you, you, you ask, well, why is it so weird and why don't we do it? Um, in order for you to go practice MMD, you 
if you were to follow to its fullest extent, you need a mirror designed um, can opener. Your keyboard, you, there does not even exist a, a completely mirrored keyboard. So there's there's a part of the brain that has never been exercised by anyone in humanity because you can't actually do an exact mirrored assortment of, of, of that typing um, in that direction. But even something as simple as try to go to um, <clears throat> a networking event and go to meet people and extend to them your left hand. Right. It would just be so weird. Plus, we're also the only species who happen to sit around square and, and um, circular tables in order to sit down and eat. Um, we are the ones who read and write, which cultures have chosen to just go one lateral direction. Um, so there's many reasons that historically it's been advantageous to declare a side. Um, hygiene is a major thing that's still to this day. There's many cultures who distinguish between a cleansing hand and then a writing and social hand. So there's many human-centric reasons as to why it's advantageous, but it still is not according to the mechanical design of the human body. Human body is designed just like a car, physically. Symmetric frame, symmetric exterior features, and when you open up the hood of a car, the quote-unquote organs, the Inter internal components that are asymmetrically all over the place. But the best designed car is going to weigh the same down both sides, just like the human body. You would never buy a right car that, or excuse me, you would never buy a car that only makes right-handed turns. But we're settling for the same with the human body. And as a result, we're lacking more, frankly, synapses, neurons in the brain, symmetric, like the, the spatial awareness that increases. There's all these benefits that you know, we'll, we'll of course get into, but I hope within there it answers the question. Oh, weird is the word that you used. Mm. And that is the word that 95 plus percent of all the people who I engage in this say, it feels weird. Your, your brain is physically working to make brand new pathways that you've never exercised before. So it would be like going to the gym and trying to like lift a big weight and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. But if you start small, you repeat, you know, I don't I don't have to explain how going to the gym works and then you get big and you come to a point where you can ultimately lift whatever. Um, it, the same thing is with this, like with MMD, you can see an exact progression for anyone who start, start with, um, who, who starts writing, always date your journal entries. So then you can see exactly how it improves over time. Um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a big exercise that has incredible benefits. So, how would someone start practicing it? And and I I know a little bit about your background um, from skateboarding. So, you know, I'm just trying to think about. Yeah, yeah, I can see him in the background there. And did you know Dr. Huberman was also a skateboarder? Yep, I first listened to him on I think an episode of the Nine Club, which is. Um, it's a skate there. It's a group of skateboarding YouTubes. They're pro skateboarders who they had him on and it was all neuro nerdy based. And I was loving it. Yeah. But he was talking about how he would like skate at uh, Embarcadero with Mike Carroll. And you reminded me that he was taking another wing with uh, Frank Hawk, uh, Tony Hawk's dad. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I, I've been skateboarding for nearly 30 years. That's so cool. He's so much uh, more interesting when he's talking about his skateboarding stuff because all of us skaters are, at least for us who have been skating for so long. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he's only maybe a couple of years older than me, but um, yeah, it's funny. He actually, I presented at McGill university in October and he was presenting the week after me. 
Oh, and cool. I was like, are you serious? I'm missing meeting. I, I told Dr. Uh, Rolando Domaestro, I'm like, yo, oh. I, I totally want to go meet him. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, so, so like going back to your, your athlete days, right? So which what... are still happening they're actually bigger than ever. Exactly. We don't, we never stop, but I, I don't know about you. You seem to be, if you're, if you're close in age to Dr. Huberman, you're a little <laughs> younger than me, but, but like your body starts breaking down as you're getting older and then you Some... go to the chiropractor and tell me about how you discovered MMD to rehabilitate your body. Okay. So I've been skateboarding since the age of 12. I just turned 40 a month ago. Happy birthday to me a month later. And um, I, every day I basically did it in Old Forge, Pennsylvania. And I, I would, I would just skate to school or before, after school um, at, at co in college at Westchester University, I started a skateboarding club. So I was all the time skateboarding, 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 skateboarding. And I only ever did it regular stance, which in the skateboarding world is when your left foot is forward on the board. And so you're pushing with that right foot. Um, by the time I was 22, I was going to chiropractors to try to fix my lower back pain. I had to stop skateboarding. Whenever I would skateboard, my back would hurt. And it was shortly after this was all starting that I moved from Westchester, Pennsylvania to San Diego, California with every aspiration to, to be skateboarding. And I physically couldn't do it and it drove me insane to, to be in Southern California, finally not be able to actually skate. So within a year and a half of that depressing as hell episode, as you can imagine, um, I grabbed my roommate's skateboard um, and we had a parking lot across the street. And so I just thought, you know, let me go try a skateboarding switch because it was the only thing I didn't try. I went to the parking lot. I put my right foot on the board this time and started pushing with my left foot. And I felt like I couldn't do it. It was just so impossibly hard, yeah. but I found it didn't hurt my body. So I went back the next day, then the next day, then the next day, four years of addicted, exclusively switch stance skateboarding. My body felt realigned. It was feeling great. I was doing tricks and all this. And then I thought, you know, let me try skating regular again just to see how I can do it. And I was so nervous because I was, I just, I don't want to mess my body up. This was in North Park in San Diego on 30th Street. And uh, I was in a parking lot. And so I, I tried to skate regular stance and I found I was immediately able to do new tricks that I could never do before. Interesting. After a dormant four years of not practicing it and i later learned that that's something called manual transfer learning where your dominant side actually gains proficiency when you focus exclusively on your last dominant side and in that moment i thought what i thought this is incredible what would happen if i started doing everything else switch aka mirrored so that night i went home and the light switch was with my left hand and it just started like that and then it was like okay i'm gonna try eating with the fork in my right hand and just little bit by little bit. I mean, there's thousands of things that you do every day that are sided. So you have an endless opportunity to practice MMD. And it's cool because you don't have to like go to a gym. You don't, you know, you, you can you can practice it by yourself in in and develop major proficiency with it, which my YouTube channel, I have videos showing like handrail walking, which I didn't even start doing until I was 35. And no one taught it to me. I, I didn't even really see anybody doing it. 
I've seen Ido, uh, Ido Portal. He uh, trains his um, um, students in, in rail walking. Um, although I've never seen him like walk down 36 stair handrails and stuff like that. You know, there's so much that you can do. Once your body feels great and realigned, it's like, and being 40, I know there's so many people who want to feel this way. Right. And some people will tell me, well, Jim, this sounds like a hard sale because you're telling me the average adult who wants to gain like real proficiency in this, it's going to take them 10 years of practice before they do it. Look, I didn't design the human body, but it, it's just, it works that way as an average adult. But if you're a little kid, you can learn it so much quicker. But um, yeah, I mean, you're dealing with the brain. The brain is an insane organ, three pounds in weight, 1.5% of the human body's mass, but burns 20% of all the body's energy. The thing has to rest. So, so when you say it felt weird, that's that three pound organ going like, yo, this is an insane workout right now. We need to take a break. I was thinking about it. Like when you break your arm and you're in a cast, you've got to do all everything with the other, other hand you're forced to. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit different you know, like right now, was that your left hand that you drank your water with? Oh, yeah. like, mm -hmm. Cause I would naturally want to go pick up my water always with my right. Uh, th this is, this is a left-handed keyboard, quote unquote, even though it's far from what I actually want, it's the best that we've got. But yeah, I mean, my mouse is on my left side, which I, I work part-time at the Benjamin Franklin museum here in Philadelphia. I have five close coworkers, four of which are all lefties. And they get pissed when they come up to the computer and I put the mouse on the left side. <laughs> so, so I kind of get how we can do this now. It's just, you know, figuring out how to use different muscles, body parts, mm -hmm. um, and, and just start practicing. And you're saying when you do this, it strengthens the corpus callosum of the brain. Like how, what, What's yes. Happening? So the, the corpus callosum, it's the communication bridge between the two hemispheres. And because you're doing so much more contralateral activity with practicing MMD, you're getting more symmetric blood flow to both brain hemispheres. So it's thickening that communication bridge between them both. Um, something that I understand has been understood by brain specialists for centuries is that um, people who have worked to learn and practice ambidexterity, their memory is better. Because I understand that there's an understanding in neuroscience that says um, memories are encoded in one hemisphere but decoded in another, and so you know if if your if your if your bilateral sides are more engaged equally, they can more quickly communicate to one another. Is the science that I understand, and that's why I wrote about it in the book. And you know, I've I've listed uh, various resources throughout the book and a lot of stuff. Uh, um, it, but, but there's so much more that can be studied on all of this. A traditional science book that's going to be having so many people at so many universities all kind of in the same boat studying the same thing. You're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, sometimes more of a, a, an immediate compelling edition of a book. But um, I just know it'd be criminal for this story to not be shared. I know there's enough people who are like, yo, I want to feel good enough to do that kind of stuff. Sign me up whatever that is. Now, who did you notice? Uh, what famous people along the way did you notice uh, found the benefits of this? Did you listen? Leonardo da Vinci appears to be the most, and there's a lot more that um, can be understood uh, on, on why. I'm reading right now through uh, Walter Isaacson's 
uh, biography of Da Vinci and learning uh, uh, quite a few new things that I've not known that aren't written in my book, uh, particularly that Da Vinci himself was inspired by uh, a, a couple of polymaths, uh, Verrocchio being one of them. Um, so he was a big influence by him. Raphael, Michelangelo, they are considered ambidextrous. Uh, it's understood that Michelangelo painted uh, the Sistine Chapel dual dominantly, so using both hands, which, I mean, it's such a massive piece. You, you kind of have to. Um, and even Dante 200 years earlier. So there seemed to have been something in the Italian Renaissance era that was happening because the earliest example of dual dominant handwriting that we have from Da Vinci was his Tuscan landscape drawing from 21 years old. Um, so, but something that Walter Isaacson talks about is um, there was some contemporary of Da Vinci who wrote a book about handwriting and he talked about the concept of mirror writing for people who are dominant lefty. So there was something uh, of Italian Renaissance that was um, influencing that. But Benjamin Franklin's example, he, he's my favorite because I'm a tour guide in Philadelphia as well. I've been in Philly for almost two years and I'm already, frankly, to my own horn, but, but an expert level tour guide of everything related to Philadelphia now, including a Benjamin Franklin expert because I researched him so heavily for this book. And he was a mirror reader for 30 years. And then 11 years before he died, he wrote an essay called A Petition of the Left Hand that he addressed to educators the same year that the school he started 30 years earlier became recognized as the first university in America, the University of Pennsylvania. And he tells educators in a very creative fashion um, how both hands are designed for equal use and we should be teaching kids how to develop them as such. And that actually went on to influence Thomas Jefferson to practice ambidexterity for 40 years the rest of his life after having had that accident in he had an accident in france where he jumped over a fence trying to impress a, a chick he was really into named maria causeway and he, he broke his right hand but um you know when they when they reunite in philadelphia months before franklin died because this happened while while jefferson was in france and franklin was already back here in pennsylvania they would have reconnected and Franklin or Jefferson would have told Franklin, you know, I, I broke my right hand while I was over in, in France. And I, so I had to start learning to write left-handed for rehabilitation purposes. And Franklin would have told him, dude, no way. You got to keep practicing that. I wrote an essay about this 11 years ago. Um, Cause the national park service website talks about Jefferson, our, our third U S president uh, practicing this for 40 years. So um, yeah, I just, as a big history buff too, I, I love it as well, but Benjamin Franklin, he did so much i guess so many tourists would tell me wow he was really smart he only went to elementary school for two years before the age of 12 wow there's so much i can say on him but his brain was abnormally symmetric because he would read at work in mirror direction as a colonial printing composer because all those individual mirror cast all those individual um ink metal letters uh they're all mirror cast so he's reading in mirror direction from the age of 12 to 42. And then after work, he's going home at night and he's reading books in the traditional direction. Mm -hmm. So during the day, his eyes are going from right to left and then at night going the other way. And I do mention Dr. Andrew Uberman um, within Big 3 MMD, I think at this portion, because um, he talks about how the eyeballs are the only exterior part of the brain, that they're not connected to the brain, but they're actually part of the brain like they actually are brain that's on the outside of your face <laughs> you know as you're talking i'm thinking back to this uh friend of mine he was pres a presidential historian his name was doug weed 
and he's been gone a couple of years now, but he would talk about the U.S. presidents like no one else. And it would have been amazing to have him on this and have him give mm. some history to add to what you're saying, because he would do it. He would go back and I would watch him on CNN and connecting all the, the presidents in the past from Reagan all the way through. And he'd been, you know, in, in the White House with, with many of them. He did interviews with uh, the president's children and written mm. a lot of books. So, so it was just wow. listening nice. to you. I really I miss him a lot. And I wish he was <laughs> here because he would have added to this conversation like no one else. It would have been phenomenal because I can't I don't know your your craft. And I'm Canadian, so I'm definitely not going <laughs> to talk about the U.S. presidents. That's why I would watch sure. like we talk. But gosh, it would have been phenomenal to have him here right now. So when I heard your, you know, looking at all these people's dominant hands, I thought, how did he come up with this? Almost like how Doug Weed came up with his theory. And so I just wonder <laughs> well, I mean, I've I've had quite a bit of time to think about this stuff. And what what really happened? The reason that my my book is even existing is because. By the time I was, I would say 34, I started really noticing some differences. Um, the spatial awareness stuff, right. the balance. Yeah. What, when, when I was living in Tijuana, Mexico, that's when I started rail walking. Because th there's, I, I, I did slacklining for many years, mostly in Tijuana. And uh, I lived uh, for Guadalajara, Mexico. And, um, but when I moved to Tijuana, there, there's no real parks that have a bunch of trees that you can post a slack line up on, but there's a lot of rails and like low to the ground, ground rails. And, uh, I just thought like, I would hold onto a thing on the side, like a wall so I can balance safely. But I was like, this feels kind of like a slack line. But then because I grew up skateboarding for so many years, the idea of being on top of a handrail wasn't like the most foreign concept. So I just kind of like pieced them together and, and and was having it's so much fun, Andrea, in general MMD, because with handrail walking, there's handrails everywhere. I can go to a new city and find like New York City has some of the craziest 50 stair handrails on the Hudson. And I at 40 years old, I can be excited about going up there, longboarding around all day and then going handrail walking. And I haven't been to a chiropractor in years, which, by the way, chiropractors, they they. They incorporate MMD and adjustments. I've never had a chiropractic adjustment that was just on one side and not the other. They're mirroring their movements. Same thing with yoga. Same thing with swimming, cycling, running, walking, all of that. Hiking. Hiking. There's a way. What you would want to do, Andrea, with hiking to really utilize MMD, you want to practice symmetric breaths, which is basically exhaling on your odd-ended steps. And then with swimming, it's strokes, with biking, it's pedals. But so on your third, your fifth, your seventh, or your ninth, your ninth are going to be the most relaxed. Your third, your threes are going to be the most accelerated. And I talk a bit about this in uh, at least one of my YouTube videos. When you do this and then even incorporating reversal walking. And of course, you want to be safe with this, but it's kind of a cousin of MMD doing reversals. Um, according to, again, my opinion, it, it, it's kind of like um, going reverse in a car. You know, you can go reverse in a car, but you certainly can't perform to that level that's made to go going forward. Same thing with backwards walking and, and same thing with the duration of it. But like for your anterior post posterior posture, reverse walking is great. Same thing with front packing. 
If you've carried a backpack on your back for most of your life, put it on the front. Wow. Game changer for your spine. That's I, I I tell people in my my meetup group here in Philly, MMD Philly, and they'll practice it when we go do hikes and walks. And various of them have come up to me and be like, yo, I definitely feel a great difference in my back. Wow. Cause I do, I have neck pain that I always have. And, and when I get to a certain part of the trail, I take it off my backpack off and just put it over one shoulder. Cause it's like, ah, oh, no, I'm free. I never thought. And if you do that, go back and forth, but put it on the front. Yeah. I never thought about that ever. And you want to be mindful of your breaths when you're doing it. You want to make sure you're getting like good, regular, deep breaths because your back is going to be on your stomach. So it can, it can, of course, like not a crazy, crazy heavy pack. I think you would really want to do it with, but right. be mindful of those breaths and just not on there the whole time. Cause you know, you have your organs and stuff there, but like in general, if you're, if, especially if you have a good soft backpack money, you're going to feel great. Interesting. Okay. So, so what criticism have you received about this? I'm curious about that always, because when you put yourself out into mm-hmm. the world, not yeah. everyone loves your ideas. <laughs> so what? No, very true. Very true. Very true. You know what? And so listening to your podcast, I'm going to hypothesize. It's a lot of folks who have their um, major degrees and, and are doctors and, and such. Um, one of my favorite Benjamin Franklin quotes that I was even thinking, am I going to say it on her podcast? But at this point, I got to say it. He says, an educated blockhead is a greater blockhead than an ignorant one. Yeah. And this idea of that, because I've, I've talked to people and talking about like the idea of Broca's area. And they're like, well, Broca's area is in the left hemisphere. Therefore, it doesn't mean, be like, well, I, and I mentioned in my book, this idea that I'm actually duplicating my quote unquote Broca's area. Because the idea is, MMD, the body is made for mirrored movement. Reading and writing is a form of body movement. So it's made for that. And so if I'm physically able to do it with my left hand, my right brain hemisphere is doing it. And if my Broca's area is in the other one. And so there's a lot that comes up that's kind of like, even Broca's area, I know it's not an even 90-10 split with handedness. I think it's more like between 70 and 80 um, in the left hemisphere, give or take. But um, I understand that there's a lot of lefties who are kept out of scientific studies on handedness because their brains are quote unquote too different or the results become too weird. Um, so there's just, so when I come up against that kind of stuff, like I even met, this will sound like a delightful tale. I met this girl at a bar uh, last week, my favorite bar in Philly called Tattooed Mom on South Street because every inch of the walls upstairs are covered in street art. So all of us street artists of which I am, I'm a ch- ambidextrous chalk artist around the city. I'll go and I'll do art pieces up there and enjoy $6 beers. But there was a comedy show happening that night. And this girl comes out, we start chatting and she's watching me do my art and, you know, mentioning to be in dual dominant and such. She mentions, oh, I study neuroscience. I'm like, cool. Awesome. And so, you know, so she's like, so what, what is this? I'm like, well, you know, the layman science of MMD, when this hand does this, this brain hemisphere goes off, the opposite is, is reversed. And she had told me, um, she told me not necessarily. And I was like, I'm flabbergasted. I've never heard someone study neuroscience to say, well, no, it's not cross the contra hemispherical, the brain body relationship to movement. And I was like, you know, where have you heard that? I definitely want to like know your resources. And she just couldn't say anything. It was just kind of like, 
Not necessarily. So little things come up every now and then, but you know, I've got um, a good buddy of mine who's also a, a tour guide had uh, been a neuroscience uh, professor out in California for many years, uh, my buddy, Matt Bautista. And I've even asked him straight up. I'm like, you're the academic guy. You know all about me telling you this. You know, he's got my book. And I'm like, do you think this sounds crazy? He's like, nope, this makes perfect sense. Dr. Catherine Coe is an ambidextrous neurosurgeon and fine artist um, out of Manhattan. Uh, she swears by this. She believes that her practice of MMD uh, over the last 30 years with writing in the traditional direction with her less dominant hand helped her become a fine artist after being a neurosurgeon. Um, so there's just so many different examples that come up, but I will say, Andrea, it, it feels a bit deflating right now because I'm spending a lot of time emailing all the neuroscience kinesiology people at the universities here in Philadelphia, and I'm getting crickets as far as responses. So I'm just kind of like, you know what? Take a take a breather here, Jim, and, and take your time. This is a slow burn thing. This is very new to a lot of people, even though this isn't a new thing. Because again, we're talking about da Vinci. We're talking about the ancient Greeks practiced it in the 12th century BC with Bostrophodon. Hippocrates told people that they should be practicing this. The ancient Scythians apparently had it legal that people were to practice this. So it's not a new thing. So I'm it's curious, just very new to a lot of people. I'm curious when you're emailing, what what are your goals with this? What are your dreams? Where do you see this going? Great question. Great question. Um, you know, my initial emails to these folks, I try to be it, you know, hey, I'm a local author. I wrote this book. It's on neuroscience kinesiology. Here's a free download to the audiobook and the ebook. And I'm interested in teaching this, you know, so I'm I'm curious your thoughts as an educator. Um, I'm going to be teaching a class this summer on all of this. So, you know, ultimately to, to invite them in the future. But, um, you know, whatever. At the very least, it's something new. But it feels deflating because it's this is something that I think is so profound. And all the people who practice it, who I mentioned in my book, they all say the same thing. It's the best choice we've ever made for our brains and for our bodies. Remarkable. Um it's almost like people have to discover it on their own. Like, you know, when when um, someone tells you to go do something, like if, if my day's really busy, I'm going to grab my water with my right hand because I don't, I got to grab something else with the left. And sure, you know, so it's hard to do something unless you've broken your arm and you have to. And, and then you realize, oh, wow, look at the skills I learned. And then you pick up your book and you realize that this is actually a thing. Sure, sure, sure. And up until this point, yeah, most people only got into it because of that, at least from the stories of people I know contemporarily speaking. Diego Irigoyen is a great example of a guy who was um, inspired by a practitioner of this, Michael J. Lavery, the author of Whole Brain Power. And Diego since wrote a book called Creative Brain Training because he got into this because he saw the results of Michael Lavery and he was really impressed. He's like, let me give this a try. And he actually devoted a lot of initial time to it to a point where he found himself being able to pay better attention in class. He said he went from like a C student to an A student. Um, and he just swore by to the point where um, I think University of California, San Bernardino permitted him to teach a class on all of this for, I think, a year. 
um, called Whole Brain Power, but he introduces students to mirror writing and all this. And I have an interview with him on my YouTube channel. And he says that for students who practice this, they're going to become better students. They're going to become better people in general, as salacious as that might sound. But literally, if, if you are experiencing the growth of new neurons and synapses in your brain, your hemispheres are better communicating with one another, your body's more aligned, you're paying more attention to your, to your surroundings and growing that spatial awareness and all these different things. It's like why there, there's people listening to this who eat healthy, work out, not because they necessarily love it, but because they know their body feels incredible when they make that consistent lifestyle choice. MMD is the same as that thing. Well, that is so cool. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your book with me, opening my eyes. When I first came across your, your email, what it was that caught my attention was that you've discovered a way to improve body realignment. And, you know, as we're all getting up there in age, we're thinking, well, how do we fix mm -hmm. that other than going to the chiropractor? Spatial awareness, balance, and peak performance. So to kind of bring this to a close, you've summed it up really nicely. How could the average person take your book, go to your website and read your book and apply this in a way that it will improve those areas? Well, for one thing, you'll pick up my book. And again, it's the world's first, I'll say modern biscriptal book because the ancient Greeks with Bostrophodon, they would have written something similar to this. Um, but you can physically practice mirror reading and get into it a little bit by little bit. One thing that you'll notice when you make a consistent habit of mirror reading, when you go back to reading in the traditional direction, you're going to be way faster at it, which is really cool to experience. Um, how to really get into it, um, just practicing MMD. One thing that I'll say, uh, I should write and post on my website. This will be my next homework assignment for planet earth. Um, basically like the top 50 things that you could do to begin MMD. And number one would be like, go home left, you know, opposite hand for the light switch. Step two, eat your Cheerios with that other hand. Um, step three, doorknobs or doorknobs first and then, you know, fork. And, and so, but a little bit by little bit, maybe, you know, step, 10 is going to be like chopsticks or, you know, whatever. There's a world of things that you can do, even like counting money. You know, there's a mirror way of doing that. Tying your shoelaces, which other than left-handed mirror writing is the, 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 that would be like number 50. That would be like the most difficult. I think number 49 would be mirror tying your shoelaces, which might not sound complex, but try it hand and then actually go around it with the other hand and it will it will blow your mind apart um just because of what you need to learn in order to accomplish it and that learning in that activity is your spatial awareness growing so your final thoughts on this for people to go to your website ambilife.org get your mm -hmm. book try the try the ways that you say that we can experience ambidextrous mm -hmm. how do i say 
<laughs> well, I would say dual dominant. Right. I knew but I again, I mean, I'll say ambidextrous. Yeah, ambidexterity. I knew yeah. you told me it wasn't right-handed the right on both way. sides. So I'm like closing yeah. out with the wrong way. Sure, sure, so, sure. And I'll tell, I'll, 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 I'll tell if if you are a professor, educator, uh, and you're interested in actually seeing something like this demonstrated or taught at your school, please hit me up. That's my my major thing. There's a lot of things that I want to do in order to see that this is taught everywhere. Um, yeah, but start, just go to ambulife.org and connect with me. Well, hats off to you for putting yourself out there with this. Uh, another way to help everybody improve their productivity, resiliency, longevity, and results. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure, Andrea. Thanks for having me. Thank you. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 